The Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com, typed with no spaces. There is an E in Grace Point, G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E, lakewood.com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that Grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. I was, you know, really, I just had a whole bunch of stuff on my mind this week. And after last week, I was like, wow, you know, what are you doing, Lord? But I really feel that there's a reformation going on. Even though we can't always see it and or feel it, I believe God is up to something. And I think we can get really short-sighted by, you know, what we see happening in the world you know, and, and be focused on all of that craziness and fear and everything else that's being pushed out by the media and get our eyes totally off of what God is doing and totally miss what God is doing. But I believe that we are currently experiencing the most beautiful reformation in the body of Christ right now. People everywhere across our nation and all over the world are returning to Jesus. There's, I mean... You may not see it here, but there are masses of people across the world who are coming to Jesus. I don't know. You can just you can watch. Uh, you can get on YouTube and watch Mario Marillo in California. He's got thousands in California coming to tents, and thousands of people getting saved, and thousands of people getting healed just in California. And it's happening all over the world. It's happening everywhere. But. People are returning to Jesus and His amazing grace. And this the simple, powerful message of the gospel is being restored as the style of foundation that we build on. I mean, the gospel is good news. You know, people don't need to know how bad they are. They already know that. What they need to know is good news. What did Jesus do for them? What, what's happening with what Christ is doing? See, man-made religions weak foundation of dead work is being removed and replaced by what God is doing with His amazing grace, with His amazing love. You know, the powerful cornerstone of Jesus and His righteousness is being restored even now to the body of Christ. Because reformation for us is not always nice or neat or an easy process. I mean, the whole thing reminds me of the passage in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. 
It says, Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Because it is Jesus Himself who comes in to save us from the horrors of man-made religion with His amazing grace. That's why we have to stay focused. Peter understood how to focus. When Jesus says, if you want me, come on out of the boat. As long as he focused on Jesus, he could walk on the water. As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and saw the waves all around him, he sunk. But as long as you stay focused. Amen? But grace will come in like a flood of love and begin to sweep away all of the bricks of fear and condemnation that can get built up in your mind by the things of the world. The world's pushing. The world's squeezing. You know, The world's trying to throw its stuff at us. But we have, to, we have to defer it through the power of God, through His Word. I mean, God has a warm, steady flow of His love that's flowing to His people to wash through our faulty belief systems like a pressure washer, bringing us all the way to a complete new belief system of grace, love, and hope. And that's happening right now all the time. If you remember from last week, God is on the move. Say, God is on the move. To make Himself known. And how does He make Himself known? Through us, ambassadorial sons and daughters. I like somebody defined sonship this week as such the greatest thing that we can discover on the planet is being sons of God. And if you want to know what sin is, sin is missing who you are as a son of God. That's sinful. Not to know that you are, have been called by God to be His son. And to be able to experience that in an everyday living way. But I'm telling you, we're staying focused on talking about the kingdom of God and how God wants to, to use each of us to get involved in displaying His love. All day, every day, wherever we're at. We're in the grocery store. If we're at the gas station, wherever we're at, we should be displaying God's love with our friends, around our friends, in the marketplace, when we're around family, when we're around the media, the government, anywhere we're at, we should be celebrating the good news of Christ. Amen? Because like last week I said, we're in a new day renaissance, a transition into something new, rebirth, a revival that's leading to this reformation. Reformation is happening. You might be asking, well, Pastor Mike, when did it start? 2015. A little while ago. But sometimes we miss it because we're focused on the wrong things. We're looking at the wrong things. We're emphasizing the wrong things. But many thousands of people will be swept into the kingdom in these upcoming years. You're going to see thousands of people swept into the kingdom. I mean, we're right. We're in it. The harvest is here. Amen? And you're going to see, like I said last week, you're going to see a time when God's church will be so totally on fire that it will just be displaying His love and hope-filled thinking to the whole world. It will be globally. It's happening even now. A new breed of sons of God will be walking and living 
and unprecedented signs and wonders and supernatural manifestations of power. There'll be a day coming when you won't, we won't be able to you won't be able to find a seat here. You won't be able to find a seat. You'll be saying, you know, or you might not come around for a couple of months and then show up and wonder where's your seat. And it's not there. You might be sitting somewhere else. <laughs> Many nations, including America, in upcoming years will be walking in a high-level spiritual transformation of all of its inhabitants, of everything that is happening in the midst of the church. But too many of God's sons and daughters are only thinking about getting out of here. That's a good thought. But didn't Jesus say, occupy till I come? He didn't say, think about getting out of here, even though that's a lot of us think about. He said, rather, we should be creating substance for the next generation. We should be thinking about what we can leave as an inheritance for our kids, our grandkids, and everybody that's coming behind us. We should have that kind of thinking. And the only lasting change for the future is found in this is the only way it will all change for the better is if we keep focused on Jesus. Keep focused on the kingdom of God. See, what God is doing in His church, that is His kingdom, is a new work that is in total progress right now. We may not be able to define it, but it's happening. And sometimes just praying in the Spirit is good enough. Sometimes just staying focused. But, to, for, but many are very slow to learn. In Italian, we call these ones stunados. Yeah, hardheads. They can't get it. They can't see it. You know, that's just what Italian, the Italian word stonato means, a hardhead. I mean, you might have a different word for what you call a hardhead. But that's what they do in Italian. But it's all a work in progress. I don't know about you, but I, I'm a work in progress. How many feel like they're a work in progress? So you're a work. God's doing something in you, but you're progressing. You're advancing. But we need to temper our eschatology, our last day thinking that is induced with impatience, which is not helpful for advancing things for the next generation. Because if all you're thinking about is getting out of here, you're not going to think about the next generation. You're just going to think about yourself. And if you're self-absorbed, it's not what God wants. He wants you not only to think about yourself, He wants to think about the next generation. Your children and your children's children and their children. Because you might be thinking, well, this is the end, Pastor Mike. The way the world's going, this is the end. What makes you think that? Are you thinking God doesn't, doesn't know what's best and God doesn't know what He could do? I believe God has something up His sleeves. Maybe you can't see it. But if you stay in prayer and stay in faith and stay focused on Him, you might begin to see it. Because you have to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Amen? Proverbs chapter 3 says. So consequently, as we age, how many are aging in here? Like I see that hand there, you had it high. Consequently, as we age, we have some very clear choices before us. Ask yourself this. Do I continue to invest my time and resources in advancing myself or do I look to advance my children and the next generation and my grandchildren? I mean, is it just about you or is it about them? 
It is about the kids that are coming up. <laughs> I believe the Holy Spirit guides us in wisdom. Now, for, for how to do both, because both are needed. I mean, yes, God wants your life to change and manifest glory. But He also wants our children and their children to manifest and be happy and have something to believe in. But when we believe that either Jesus or the Antichrist is coming or is here, we develop very short-sighted plans and have very short-sighted dreams. How do I know this? Because I was caught up this way for a while myself. You can get very caught up in it. Say, I just want to get out of here. I just want Jesus to come back. I want to leave this mess. But what, what if Jesus doesn't want you to leave the mess? What if He wants you to help the mess get out of it? What if we're here because something yet has to take place, but we can't see it? But we can stay in faith. We can keep believing. We can keep giving people a message of hope, a message of love, of forgiveness and grace. Because they need it. But I finally became convinced myself that we are not as close to the end of day scenarios as most of us think. Because a lot of people are just living as if, hey, it's over. It's not over. Do you think God's bigger than your government? I think so. I mean, everything I read about God from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, if there was a problem with government, God was able to take care of it. He was able to send a Savior or send a judge or send somebody that would change everything. <coughs> Yet if you think that maybe I'm careless in my thinking about what is happening around us, I am not. See, the Holy Spirit told me in the book of Matthew, watch and be ready. Watch and be ready so I now live by that mandate. Now I believe that I'm thinking very healthy because I'm thinking about not only myself, but I'm thinking about children. My children, my son, and his children. And then the possibilities of them ra getting raised up and getting married and having their children for the next generations that are still coming. Amen? For the coming generations. And I have adopted a mindset of making long-term plans for future generations yet to come. Too many for too long have been thinking, if Jesus is about to return, then there's no real point in taking care of the rivers, the lakes, the oceans, the air quality, and so forth. We might just let it go to the dogs. And I'm saying that nice. We can't allow that kind of thinking to get into our heads. Because at some point, we will check out as God's stewards for taking care of our present world and preparing and setting in motion what will become our next generation. There are people out there that think about these things, that create these things, create future institutions, future organizations that have longevity for the children and their children. They're around us. You can see them around us. But much of what we learn here today or any day is we attend, that we attend will not only affect today and tomorrow, but will have a huge effect in how we respond to our, to our, to our day, today, and the society that we now live in. It's important. It's important that we have long-term goals. And don't just throw them away because of the turmoil we see that's happening in our lives or in our world. 
See, when our doctrines are faulty, it can release considerable damage in the world. We have God wants us to remain faithful because He's faithful. Remember, we carry His DNA. God is love, and God loves, for God so loved the whole world. He loves the whole world. I can't get some Christians even to love their neighbor. And if you live next to my neighbor, Pastor Mike, you'd want to shoot him. I said, but that sounds real Christ-like. I guess you really know that you're a son of God. Are, you, are we living as sons of God? I mean, my na- I have a neighbor on one side of me who loves Buddha. Thinks Buddha's his God. I got another neighbor on the other side that doesn't ever come out of the house. What do I do? I pray for them. They're in trouble. Because I know God can get them. I mean, I know God can. I could just say, sick them, Jesus. Amen? I mean, that's sometimes the best prayer you can pray. Sick them, Jesus. And Jesus do His thing. But we must begin to think. I mean, a, a, good, a good acrostic for think that, that I came across even this week is, for the T, is it true? For the H, is it helpful? For the I, is it inspiring? For the N, is it necessary? And for the K, is it kind? Think. We must begin to think long term while all along acknowledging that we are in general scope of the end of days. Okay, we can have an end of days thinking, but let's think long term. Even though we know that some, at some point it will be over and Jesus will come back. How many are with me? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but when you read Paul's writings, two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul called his days the last days. I mean, Paul lived a long time ago. Huh? Yeah? What do you think? Thousands of years? And he thought it was the last days in his day. And yes, we're closer to the end than ever before, but we're still probably a few generations away. How many years is a generation, Pastor? How many know? Forty years. So believe it, and it will help you to be more effective in the world. See, this Renaissance thinking is when God's better ways of doing everything will be made evident during our lifetime. I want to see God continue to do something, not just for me, but for my son and for my son's children and for their children when they get married. I want to see them happy and in Christ, amen, and living and walking for God because I won't be here all the time. But I can leave something behind. I can leave an inheritance like God left us an inheritance. How many know what your greatest inheritance is in God? Jesus Christ. And you can pass them on. You can pass them on. And as a result, God will increase in fame throughout the earth. The church and the kingdom in the Renaissance will be more about finding more ways to reveal who God is and who we are and why we're here. I mean, I know why I'm here. Because the Bible says in the book of Acts, I mean, not book of Acts, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we're ambassadors for Christ. You're ambassadorials. All of you are ambassadors for Christ. Representing God. You got it. You have a purpose. You don't have to go to a thousand conferences across America to try to, and have some big prophet tell you who you are. 
All you have to do is read your Bible. And the Bible will tell you who you are. And the Bible will tell you your purpose. Amen? And we will learn and manifest in more ways His ways through various ways He loves. His sacrifice on the cross, even today, shouts how much He loves us. And yet we know that He has many more ways He desires to show His love for us. I was, This is crazy. I know this is crazy. I was driving up here today to the church. I haven't even told my wife this, so I could get smacked for this when I leave. But I was driving down Athens. I was getting ready to turn down onto uh, Warren, left. And I heard the Lord say to me, why don't you do this? I says, do what? He says, why don't you just take some offerings in the church, gather some money, buy some $25 gift cards, put them in a little packet, and go just, how about this? How about we create our own little deal where we drive around the city of Lakewood or Fairview Park or or a Bay Village, or a North Olmstead, and we find somebody's yard that's meticulously taken care of. And we create, this, create, we create this thing called, we want to give you an award for taking care of your house so beautifully. And we bring them the award, our award that we make. We give them a $25 gas gift card, and we tell them that God loves them. I think it's a way to touch people with God's love. It's just my creative way. Maybe you have one too. Maybe God's saying something to you besides just go to work, go to bed, get up in the morning, go to work, go to bed, get up in the morning, get up in the morning, go to bed, get to work, go to work, clean the house, do You know, maybe He's saying something else if we're focused on Him. I mean, there's a lot of people in our neighborhoods, your neighborhoods, my neighborhoods, that don't know Jesus. But if we gave them an award, you know, maybe nice yard, nice house, newly painted house, cut grass, you know, might just trigger something in them that might cause them to think, think, awaken to God's love, God's grace. What are we expecting in return? It's up to God. We're just His ambassadors. We're just His messengers. Amen? We want to bless them. We want to give them a blessing. We just don't want to give them a piece of paper that says God loves them. We're giving them a $25 gas gift card. How many know gas is going up? Yeah. It's $3 now. They're predicting that by August it'll be $5. And it might even go up higher than that. So when you're given a gas gift card, you're giving commodity away. Amen? But God is good. He'll provide. We start that little campaign. You never know. God might give us, somebody might write us a check for 25000 to give something away. Why not? Somebody wrote us a check for the building for 300000 gave it to us for free. He's in heaven right now. The guy that gave us this building, he's in heaven. Wrote us a check for 300000 When the daycare needed a bus, somebody wrote us a check for 42000 Is it possible? Is God able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think? Ephesians 3.20, He's able to do it. 
So if we start focusing on that and start believing about that together as a, as a group, how big do we have to be? Two or more gather in His name? It's done. And you know how small God brings it down to our equation? Two or more. Get just two or more to agree. Because He knows if you try to get a hundred to agree, you're going to have problems. But if two or more, just get two or more to agree. And I'm in the midst. And I'll do the work. And I'll finish the process. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people come to the Lord in a simple prayer. Put my hand on their shoulder and just tell them Jesus loves them. And they all of a sudden, they just want Jesus. It doesn't take a lot. Amen? See, our ministry of sons and daughters is to find those many ways that He desires to show His love and to display them in every area of society that we live in. Even in the government. Even in the media, as crazy as it all is, God wants to show His love. <coughs> he wants to display His goodness. And though there may always be enemies and some level of peril, now is the time to increase in wisdom and favor with God and man. See, I personally believe that over the next coming generations, the kingdom of God will so advance that it will become a popular thing to be known as God's sons and daughters. Popular. People are going to want to be called God's sons and daughters. It may not be popular today, but that can change overnight with God. Amen? And I'll tell you what's going to happen. Darkness is going to be pushed back to the outer fringes of society in many, if not all, nations. And this is really going to happen. Believe it, and you will become one of God's transformative Hope ambassadors on the planet. Transformative hope ambassadors on the planet. And I sense more than ever, these new trends that I will be sharing with you will be manifesting in more ways than we can imagine as the Holy Spirit is exalting us to be the people of hope. People of hope. You know, the, the world needs hope. A lot of people are depressed. A lot of people are still living in fear. They're, I mean, you, you can just walk, just walk around. Go, go to Walmart once in a while. Walk around look at people. They're not only wear, still wearing their masks, they're walking like this. Can you lift your head? Come on. Come on, we, this is the world we live in. I still drive down the street. I see people still, they're the only person in the car. Got their masks on. Who's going to infect them in the car? Who's going to get them? The spirit of fear, that's correct. One of the major trends we will see in these days that are coming up is a transition from a revival mindset to a reformation mindset. And I'm not saying we don't need souls. We do. They'll come. But we have a longer range plan in God. Not only do we want revival, but we want reformation. We want a change in which the way things are happening. We want a transition from, God wants us to transition from a church-mindedness to a kingdom-mindedness. And see the big picture. I, I believe we're going to see an explosion of new church wineskins and unprecedented unpre, unpre, unity. Just like what's happening, 
with this pastor from Aurora inviting our worship team and us to come in for two Wednesdays, take over his church. And there's a possibility that at one of the Wednesdays, he won't even be there. He's going to be in Chicago and give us his church and say, you just stay there and bless my people. I'm going to Chicago to visit my grandkids. And he says, I trust you that you can handle it. And so I, I believe that these are new things that are going to happen, new trends we're going to see in the church. And there's nothing wrong with wanting revival. We want many new people to come into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Many. But I, I mean, I've seen people find Christ in the craziest places. I mean, I've led somebody to Christ in a cemetery. I've even thought about having a praise and worship service in a cemetery. Never know who might get up. Amen? See, I'm going to tell you something. I, I believe, this is another thing I believe. I believe in the next couple of years, two, three, four years down the road here, that one of the distinct giftedness of the church and will attract people to us is being to raise people from the dead on a regular basis. Jesus said, every person in this room can raise the dead. Not just me. Every per- You know what stops you? Your belief. You don't believe it. That's why I tell you, start practicing on road kills. You see a dead cat, stop and pray and raise him from the dead. Then you can start working on humans. It's possible. In third world countries, like China, overseas, Asia, third world countries, if you're a minister and if you don't raise at least three people from the dead yearly, you don't get licensed. How many American pastors would even have a license today? Not many. It's coming. Jesus said in the Bible we could do these things. Freely you have received, freely give. Cast out demons, raise the dead. How do you cast out demons? One word. Jesus. Out. You don't need nothing else. If you've got to beg and sweat and try to get it out some other way, just give it up. You don't have to wrestle with demons. You're stronger than a demon. You're a son of God. You have to start believing who you are. If you really believe you're a son of God, what, what, he said, all that I have, I give to you. All my resources, everything that I have, I give to you. You lack nothing. When you start praying out of lack, which most Christians do, just listen to Christians pray sometimes. They pray out of a lack mindset. They don't pray out of abundance. They don't pray out of, I don't lack anything. They're always begging God for something to happen that's already happened. And they're just not awakened to it. The truth of it. But God wants these things. And whatever revival means to you, it is a good thing. However, now is the time to make the switch from a revival mindset and prioritize and get into a reformation mindset. God doesn't only want to change me. God doesn't only want to save souls. He wants something for future generations and future, future generations. And He wants me to help strategize on how to get it here so that when I leave here, it keeps on going. Amen? <coughs> Reformation is about the structures of society itself 
being addressed by the presence of God and the solutions of the kingdom of God. A Reformation mindset thinks in multi-generational terms, long-term structuring for future generations. I don't know about you, but I, I, just so you know, Mike Bartolone, I have not given up. I'm not going to sit on the pew and wait for Jesus to show up. I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. You know, sit in the pasture like like a horse and just sit there. I'm going to be active for the kingdom of God, and I am too. Because in revival mode, we're thinking about souls being saved because Jesus is coming at any time now, and that's good thinking because He is coming. Over 90 scriptures in the New Testament that He's coming again. But it's also about the future. And that's why at Grace Point Church, that's why we magnify God. That's a high priority here, is magnifying God. Even when it's hard to see Him. Do you see Him every time? I don't. But I know He's here because He said He was. And His promises are yes and Amen. I could stand on those promises. And we, when we magnify God through our praise and worship, all of our fears disappear. Praise is praise and worship is a weapon. It destroys darkness. Now, you might not like what I'm going to say next, but it's more powerful in Cleveland than prayer because the devil already showed us that. I was leading National Day of Prayer about 15 years ago downtown in Tower City, and the, man, the management came up to us and said, we were there, there, we were all gathered, ready to start our praise and worship for one hour, then go into prayer for the National Day of Prayer. The management came up to us, the, the, the leadership, the, the group, took us into his office and he said, we've decided it's okay if you want to stay here and pray, but we don't want any praise and worship in this place. So don't praise and worship the Lord here anymore. Or we won't allow you here anymore. You, you could pray here, but you can't praise and worship. I said, ooh. I said, the devil just tipped his head. Because I was praying for 15 years for the key that unlocks the city. I had no problem believing it. But all my intercessors and prayer warriors that were around me, they said, okay, we'll just pray. I said, okay, you guys just pray. I'm moving on. Because I believe God gave us the key to unlock the city. And we have to somehow get the churches just in Cleveland, northeastern Ohio, just to believe that. Because most churches you go to today, even the big churches in the city, they sing one song in, one song in the middle, and one song out, and you're gone. That's not praise and worship. That's singing a song. We might as well just sit around the campfire and sing Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. That's, you know, God is up to something. He wants the city. He is the God of the city. He wants the nation. And praise and worship will change the atmosphere of the city. It will get people excited. You won't even know how it's happening. See, God works through sound. God works through sound. He works through atmosphere. He works through hearts. And people will be getting saved. You worship Him. You can come. And when we make when we make our voices known, when we praise God, all fears disappear. 
Because we are promoting the atmosphere of heaven when we praise God. So you have a problem with praise and worship, don't go to heaven because you'll be bored. You ain't going to be sitting on a cloud just playing a harp. You're going to be praising and worship the Lord 24-7. And heaven advances on earth under the spirit of good news by simply championing love, forgiveness, compassion, justice, and kindness. The gospel of grace is good news. And we are effectively promoting our King Jesus. His ways lead to Him. The glory of His ways will fill all the earth. And to the degree that we have a voice, we have an opportunity to contend for the fame of our God on earth and make Jesus famous. Make Jesus famous wherever you go. Tell everybody you know about Jesus. Don't tell them about the latest statistics of the Cleveland Indians. Because that's what you hear a lot of today. How's the Cleveland Indians? I must have heard that 50 times this week. How's the Cleveland Indians? I said, I don't want to know how the Cleveland Indians. How are you doing in Jesus? What are you reading? What are you studying? What's your revelation? I want to hear your revelation. Come on, give it to me. Tell me. I want to know what Jesus said. Stay focused on Him. And you can't go wrong. And have long-term goals. See, when you think big dreams, I know you're on target. If you come to me, I have this big dream. I know you're on target if you have a big dream. If you want a big building in the city, I know you're on target. You just keep believing. Don't stop. And you'll see what happens. I don't, you've heard my story about the lady in Burma. I've shared that story a couple of times here about her going to one spot in her city, in Burma, India, one spot, 4.30 in the morning, getting down on her knees and praying for two and a half years, praying the same prayer, the same place, the same spot. And they built a mosque. She comes to find out they built a mosque on the site of where she prayed. And God, she said, God, what was that all about? You told me to come here and pray. I thought you were going to put a, a Christian church here. And so the Lord says, keep praying. Go right up to the wall every day, 4.30 in the morning. Stand, kneel by the wall and just keep praying. She kept doing that. Obedient, faithful, listening to the voice of God. One day she was frustrated. She got up. She says, what is this about, God? I don't get it. He said, go down there and kneel and pray. And she was down there. It's in a book. I can show it to you. Because I wasn't in Burma, India. I was reading it in a book. And God says, get a pebble. This is 4.30 in the morning. Get a pebble and back, step back and throw it at the wall and say, in Jesus' name. She took back, hit that wall with that little, little pebble, and the whole building collapsed. God says, I have future plans for this, for this spot. That was not it. Just stay focused. Keep praying. Keep believing. Have faith. Trust me. Trust me in this. Keep, you guys got it. Keep trusting Him. Don't, you know, I love that scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What messes us up? Our own understanding. We try to figure God out and we bypass or we stop or we quit. 
and we don't stay stay the place. Stay there until we see it. Until. Big word in the Bible. Until we see what God would do. I waited. We waited, Marie and I, and I waited 22 years for a building in this city. 22 years we stayed the course. And God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, amen, above all that we ask or think.